best friends and next door neighbors, Willow and Lillian, spill the tea on murder, mysteries, and other things that go bump in the night. So get your favorite teacup ready and let's get into it. Welcome to Cruel Tea Podcast. This is Lillian, and with me again. It's Willow. Who's Hi. back? You're not dead. You don't have COVID. I'm not dead. I don't have COVID. I have allergies. Or something. Or something. I, I'm pretty sure they're allergies. Um, we're in a very confusing weather pattern right now. And <laughs> I'm really sensitive to tree pollen and grass pollen. And they think it's summertime right now. And so they are mating all in my well, face. Scientifically, no. What it is is ragweed's bad right now. Why is ragweed bad? Because ragweed usually pollinates in September. It does, but it continues all the way until the first hard freeze. Oh, and we usually have a hard freeze in yes, October. Yes, That's why. I'm extremely allergic to ragweed. ragweed. Oh, and cedar is currently going yes. nuts right now. That's yes. the one I'm allergic to. Yes. So my allergies have been poo, but not like yours. But ragweed, so. like, will like I almost not died allergic to ragweed. ragweed at all. I could like literally rub it on my face. No. Mm-mm. But anyway, you're not dead, and you're back. Yes. However, yeah. the little experiment where me and Maris covered for you because you were sick is going to be a new thing. Maris Mondays. Yeah. We're going to cover a paranormal spooky thing because he doesn't like true crime, makes him sad. That's right. And so that's another episode a week. We're really excited about it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's the new thing. I think it's adorable. Do you? Yeah. I, I, like, I like Happy Maris. Happy Maris is cute. Happy Maris is adorable and yeah. very uncomfortable about it, and I love that. Well, at first I was like, oh, sorry you had to do that, you know, because he's very introverted. But he was like, woo, what should we cover? What should we cover next? Do you, do you want to cover something else? And I was like, oh, oh, he wants to play. Okay. Not going to say no to that. Can't say no, no to that. And I do think that even though, like, my main focus isn't um, paranormal or anything like that, it is a really good thing to break up in between the Ooh, really yes, rough, true really grim ca- stuff. cases that yeah. we have. <clears throat> um, because, yeah, you, you, you guys have been here. I, I cry. So we do, um, we do cry and I get mad. I get so fucking like just from the last couple of cases, everything has been racist. Like I'm just like, <laughs> that's fucking racist. And I get so mad. I'm like, yeah. this aspect of life is racist. This aspect of life is racist. Oh, and I it's just, just my blood so pressure. Mad. And I just need to calm down. Like, I understand that, like, I need to, like, not we ever be scared like, of speaking up. Yeah, but, but we like, can't, like, scream at everyone all the but time. But, like, you know, yeah, I need to, like, get through breakfast and have my coffee before I have, like, you know, Oh, I had to. Breakdown. I had to literally, like, I was like, okay, I know I have to use Facebook because it's kind of how I make a living right, right now. I sell my art, jewelry, and soap. Right. And so I was like... Please stop attacking everyone on Facebook. Yes. Just post happy, fun things you made with yes. your hands. I broke on a post recently. I saw it. And I just didn't I had care. to sit on my hands because these are local people and I was about yes. to come unglued. Yes. Yes. Unglued. And, and, uh, one person like had like tried to correct my speech and I was like, oh no, 
Because he, he, he was like, you know, if you speak a, a different way about these issues, people are more apt to listen to you if you don't <laughs> use degrading terms like white. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. You, you misunderstood me. I don't ever, ever mean for anything that I say or any of my actions in my entire life. Not one of them should ever make a racist comfortable. No, no. Remember, no no rock they can even hide under. No, no safe harbor. No, no. Complete so, intolerance. No. Yeah, so I, I really do not care no. if my words make you uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I know that my entire personality is like a pair of hairy underpants. <laughs> and I've just accepted at this point. <laughs> I am the human equivalent of that hair that falls in your butt crack whenever you're taking a shower. That's every day. <laughs> my hair my hair now is to the bottom of my butt. Mine's to the top. We're doing so good with our hair. Okay, so let's quit rambling. Okay. Like get into okay. your case. I want to know. I just what it's I missed about. everybody. I know it's been it feels like it's been an eternity. I missed you, so here's an angry rant. Yeah, I missed you. <laughs> I hate racism. This is what I've been doing this whole time is like coughing up nasty nose stuff and hating racists. Mm. Yeah, that's what we do. My baby is sick and now my husband is sick and I'm getting over it, but it has been just a snot fest at my house so it feels really good to uh come get, to a snot free zone get back into it <laughs> okay so while i was doing research okay so we have like this really weird gray time in between christmas killings and cult killings yes um because technically it's december we should still be doing christmas themed stuff but it's New Year's. And we're all really sick Christmas. of fucking Christmas, aren't I'm we? I'm so fucking tired of, like, Christmas dads who murder their family. Like, I get it, but I'm tired of it. Um, <laughs> you're, you're over it. I'm over it. Um, so, I had several cases lined up that I was going to do for New Year's, and... They, I mean, none of them are, like, not important. Like, some of them are actually really important cases. But none of them, like, really... I never really felt... And grab hold of you. It wasn't the time. There is one case that I want to do next year, New Year's, but it just... None of them were right until last night as I was trying to fall asleep. You do this every I time. I do this every, every single, single fucking time, time yeah. but I found the perfect case. So... And I'm going to do this case kind of different than I usually do. I'm going to start with the scene and then go through kind of like each player because we have key players in this. And then once once you realize how they kind of came about, then you understand the murder scene. So I feel like the murder scene first fits. And so we have... We can break up the formula. Right. And there's a lot of names, and I hate names. I'm really bad at names, if you haven't noticed. Um... So, our main focuses are, we have a victim, we have a person, like, the main character of this kind of thing, um, is, it feels to me like he, I mean, he's definitely, like, a perpetrator, like, he definitely murdered someone, right? But he's also kind of a victim in his own right, and we'll talk about that later, but... I feel like a lot of these people, um... Are also victims. They definitely, most of them start out as victims. This was like, as he was becoming 
you know, a not so good person, he was also being a, he was a victim at that exact same time. We'll get into it. <coughs> Excuse me, I can't stop coughing. <coughs> it's gross, I'm sorry. But I'm here. So, and then you have, like, the actual, like, bad guy of the situation. Like, the actual villain. Um... And we'll get into that. I just want to focus on those three people before I start throwing a bunch of names at you because they're really hard to, like, keep who's who. But those are the people that actually are the main people here. So we're going to start out with the day the cops are notified. So the cops are notified of this murder scene um, on January 3rd, 2001. So it's right after the new year of 2001. And this is in Guffrey, Colorado. It's right outside of Colorado Springs. I've been there. Really? Yes. Oh. Colorado's one of my favorite states. It's beautiful. It's expansive. Maybe one day. I don't know. I don't really want to leave here. No, I I only like to go on vacations there. That's it. You know what? Maybe we could have a summer cabin there. For summers here, piss me off. Somewhere not in the city, because whenever I have to go to like Aurora and Denver and stuff... It's so hot. No, no, no. I was thinking so like Lake same. City, Colorado, which is kind of like towards more north. And it's like, doesn't get above 85. Oh, that sounds lovely. It gets like 40 degrees at night. And you can see That's... every star in the sky. And it's like got a population mm-hmm. of 1,500 or something. It's cute. I'll go there. Oh, I'll yeah. go there for we'll sure. There. Get yeah. a cabin there. Yeah. When we're podcast rich. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just really want to visit the hot springs because I've never had a hot spring. I've only gone to like the cold springs. Oh, that's what cool. we have here. Yeah, we do have cold springs. Mm-hmm. I want to go to hot springs. If you hear moving around, I am sorry. My knee She's adjusting. I'm adjusting. Okay. So, so we're in Colorado Springs. Um, the officers respond to a wellness check on a couple's son. Now, the son hadn't heard of heard from his parents since before New Year's Day. Um, and this was Carl Dutcher, who was 60 years old, and his wife, Joanna. And they get to the house, and they the door is, like, just, like, unlocked, and they go in, and there's Carl just dead in his kitchen floor. Oh. He's in his bathroom, and he has, um... Two gunshot wounds, I think one to the face, but his skin was gray. It was noted in, like, the first observation. Might have been there a minute. He'd been there a minute. Yeah. Carl's wife, Joanna, was found in the bathroom where, uh, like, just a shower of gunfire had taken place in this small bathroom. Her body was slumped over behind a toilet and um, where she, as if she had been in the bathroom and had been startled and had nowhere to hide so her first like she just kind of scrunched down. She just kind of scrunched down behind yeah. the toilet, and she had defensive wounds. She had gunshots through her arms, mm. through her like the side of her face, and the fatal shot was through her heart and out the small of her back. You know what? If you're gonna kill me, don't kill me in a bathroom. I don't want to be dead by a toilet. You know how hard it is to get a body out of that position. Especially when they've been there a minute, yeah. Yeah. Look, if you're going to kill me, number one, please I mean, take me by surprise. I don't want to be, like, yeah. scared. I want it to be, like, instant. Shoot me in the face 20 times. Yeah. Yeah. 
while I'm sleeping. Right. In my nice comfy bed. I know. Go ahead and shoot Maris too, because he'll die without me. Yeah. Then shoot my dog. Oh, nobody. Well, how are we going to be in heaven together? Oh, God, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when they arrived and they'd seen this scene, you know, the old man is in his 60s and he's in the kitchen in his bathrobe. The old elderly wife is in her like floral nightgown in the bathroom. It's obvious that they were in their like morning routine. Like he was going right. to the bathroom or he was going to Go the make kitchen his old man make coffee. coffee. Yeah, yeah. You know, she was washing up. This was part of their morning routine every morning at 5 a.m. Oh, that's early as fuck. That's I when I go to bed. Those, that's, that's the age and that's the times, you know what I mean? Um, but it was as if the killer knew that. That. And now there, it was reported that their grandson was, li- or was staying there part-time, was at least there for New Year's and was not accounted for. They did not find him. And so they brought his mother, um, a woman by the name of Jennifer Van, Van Dresser. Um, they brought her in for questioning, and they immediately started asking her questions about her son, Tony. Now, she's sitting here thinking that, like, oh, okay, they're looking for my son. Um, he's like 15 years old and they start asking him all these all these questions about like well does he know how to handle guns does he know anything about his grandfather's guns things like this and she's like oh wait you think he's a suspect oh snap like no 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 he's he's a baby child like he would never shoot his grandparents he loves <laughs> he's his a little angel baby he's an angel baby child she was like he would never do that and like she's like so frantic it's really hard for her to gather her thoughts at first and then she's like wait a second he did have a friend that said that he was going to stay the night for New Year's. And they were like, oh, what's his friend? And she said, Isaac Grimes. So, oh, shit, that sounds familiar. Isaac Grimes? Yeah. This took place in 2000, 2001. So, Listen, I consume so much true crime. I'm just saying you probably point. saw it on the news. Well, a little little known fact about Lillian is I did not own a television set until 2009. Okay. So I didn't see shit on no right. news. And I purposely didn't listen to any news. I was just having a bad time. Mm-hmm. And I sort of, and even if I had, like, I have trauma blocked those entire years. But, like I said, I consume so much true crime, I feel like I may have heard about this case. Right but I don't know. Please continue. I am okay. riveted. Okay, so Isaac Grimes. We talked about the victim. Now we're going to talk about the in-between character. This is Isaac Grimes. This is the kind of like the main character of this whole entire story, even though he's kind of a fuck-off anyways. Um, he was a really smart and nerdy child. He was very quiet and he had very little friends um, all growing up. He basically only had his friend Tony, Tony Dutcher, the, the one that is right now missing. And, and like, since grade school, they were inseparable. And he, like, he wasn't one of those kids that was, like, smart enough to be in the smart kids group. Right. He wasn't cool enough to be a cool kid. He wasn't physical enough to be, you know. He was, like, 
not good enough for any of the school groups. So he had his one friend and his one friend only. I had a couple friends like that. I, in I, high I was a lot like that, but oh, I horse hockey. Well, I mean, I was charismatic. And but, you're like, cute. I didn't, I didn't fit into any of the groups. And you're cute mm-hmm. though. I didn't fit in. Like, okay, obviously I was with the goths because obviously, right? But I liked kind of being the satellite friend to all that, the groups. That's a good way of saying it because I was like that. I was friends with the. Little, I liked the burnouts. I liked each. the skaters. I liked the yeah. dweebs. Mm-hmm. I liked all. The only people I didn't get on with were like the like preps. Yeah, I had some white supremacist kids. Like, like three of them, and, like, the ringleader was, like, this really tall Spanish dude. And he was, like, very, very brown. And I was, like, why are you a skinhead? What are you doing? <gasps> Sir. <laughs> Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> so confused. No, I just, uh, they, they would say things like, oh, you worship the devil. Because we're all black. And I'd be right. like, that's right. And I put your name in my book last night. <laughs> And then I said that to one of the guys, and he was always, like, sexually harassing me at school. He was always like, I heard witches have three tits. And I was like, that's the stupidest fucking shit I've ever heard. And I was like, you know what? I curse you. I didn't. I just said that I did because they would scatter. Woo! They were all very afraid. He got in a terrible car accident that night. And, like, part of, like... Like, the shrapnel went into his chest and pierced his heart. And he, like, was the, like, captain of the football team. Oh, shit. And he was, like, not in school for whole rest of the school. Almost died. He friended me on Facebook two years ago. And he was like, did you really curse me? And I was like, no, you're just being a big cunt. So, I mean, did I? Or did the universe tell you you to stop being a dick? You manifested that shit because you suck. You gotta allow it to happen. I hate when fucking woo-woos say I that know. to me. I know. And you know what? Know. Every hippie granola eaten... I gotta calm down. Okay. <laughs> Let's get back get, to please, Colorado please, 2001. Please take me back. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, girl. You saw it You're coming. You're going. You're going. Get I back. got in the car, and I was ready to go. I didn't have any pants on. Nobody likes that. So just please. Okay. Reel me in. Okay. So Isaac Grimes. <laughs> right. Nerdy kid. Just kind of a, a loner <laughs> like, loser. You know who else is a loner? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Me. Yeah. Um, but he was just the opposite. Um, the yeah, he was just opposite. kind of a... Uh, he was extremely nerdy. Um, he was really into... He was like, you know, chess kid. You oh, yuck. Those. I never so was him, friends with those. Him and Tony Dutcher being best friends... Like, they really hit it hard in junior high when they started wearing strictly camo. Uh-oh. They had, like, full military garb. Uh-oh. They were into, like, playing military games. Like, one of their mothers, like, talked about how um, she'd, like, watch them out the window and they'd be, like, digging trenches and, like... Stop that. Yeah. I would, yeah. I would discipline my child. I'd be like, can we play, like... Well, both Something of their else. grandparents were in the military. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. so it's a military family, but, like, yeah. it gets concerning with Isaac's the camera. grandpa was, the was a retired Air Force, and Tony's grandpa was a Vietnam vet, and that'll come back up later. All right. But they both, like, shared... Like, their grandpas had obviously, like, given them their memorabilia because they were like, look what I got from my grandpa, look what I got from my grandpa. Like, they would, like, trade patches and trade pins and like artifacts and stuff and they built this like 
weird ass lean to like they like tried to learn survivalism together like they were just boys in the woods you know and uh, they built I this suppose. like weird ass like like makeshift so much more hut. industrious than i was in high school they were pretty they were really really into it and even so like in um in like the colorado winter they would eat their lunch outside at school instead of eating it inside they would eat outside so they could condition themselves to yeah what yeah they, they were really, really into like, this they were just really into like topping themselves you see, up for, and if like, they had just kind of hung in there and not done weird shit then they could have gone on naked and afraid they could have i love that show but yeah they um when they planned their futures together like as like cute little kids or whatever yeah like you do like you do they um they talked about how they both wanted to be special agents and <laughs> I know, I know, Sorry. but it's it's weird. It weirdly comes back around. Uh, it's noteworthy, anyways. I'm making a note. So Isaac's mom made him stop wearing camo and talking Thank about God. the military stuff when he was in eighth grade because it was 1999. School shootings. Columbine had yeah, happened. I remember. Yes, and so and so that was like that was in April of 1999. I got a quick question for you. Mm -hmm. And it's tangently related, but I've been curious about it and I actually thought about it the other day and I meant to ask you and I just beep, beep, beep. did before Columbine would you have been too young to be in school before Columbine? I was 9. Oh shit. I'll have to ask some old people. I'll ask y'all if you're listening. You can comment on this post, uh, on this anywhere you find it, or on the Facebook page or Twitter or whatever. Did you have any friends who, before school shootings were a big thing in the news, like before Columbine, that would frequently joke about shooting up the school? Because I did. I, 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 you I know how did. I get emotional about things and I get really, yeah. really attached to things? There was one time I was driving, and it was during the, the one of the more recent school shootings. That oh, those happened. hurt my feelings so much. And me. Cade, we we went by my old junior high because we were like running errands or whatever, and bad things happen at my junior high, and it's really PTSD triggering. Uh -huh. um, and so just driving by like the place, like it really freaks me out, and I get real sick, and. And I, he kind of noticed, and I was like, oh, I don't like driving by this place. And he was like, why? And I was like, that's my old junior high. Bad stuff happened. I didn't tell him. Um, but he was like, I should shoot the place up. Oh, no, son. And I almost turned the car. Like, I almost stopped the car in the middle of the road. And I was like, you listen here right the fuck now don't you dare fucking say it's anything not even like a joke. that yeah. i was like that's not even funny i get it i get why he's saying that because you're his mama but it's, but but it's still. not funny yeah well I you just, can express yourself in a different way you do not put you do not even joke about violence violence is not fucking funny killing yeah. people is not fucking funny no so my junior year of high school in my science class where i frequently got in trouble and suspended I made up songs about the teacher because I hated him. Mm -hmm. And that's why I got in trouble all the time because I wouldn't stop because I'm an asshole. But I sat by the two kind of nerd kids. Like they played Magic the Gathering and stuff at lunch. And I just like sitting by the people who got made fun of and didn't have friends. Right. Because if I was scary, then people wouldn't make fun of them. Because mm -hmm. I got picked on really bad in junior high. 
anyway, Rage Against the Machine had just, like, come out. And so they were like, I'd love to, like, bring a gun to the school and a pocket full of shells. And I was like, haha. I was like, why would you do that? That's dumb. Then you've murdered them. And now you go to prison and, like, you're wasting your bullets. Nobody gets away with it. And I told them so that. Don't. And one of the kids actually said to me, I don't plan on getting away with it. He's like, suicide by cop. And I was like, oh, maybe you need oh. therapy. But I just think back on that then and... I didn't take them very seriously. Right. Because I'm a goofy motherfucker and I don't take myself seriously. But man, I should have told somebody. I really do think that I was within like a breath of them become those two kids in my science class becoming school shooters. <clears throat> but and they fit the profile. Bullied, loners, mm -hmm. and you know, I don't know what happened to them. I know they didn't shoot up any school. But it just, you know, what does it say, though, about the state of the education system that this happens so much? And gun control. It's like two things, two issues there. It just bothers me. It's like one of the things, it's just like hitting the funny bone of your soul. It just, right. school shootings really, I don't mm. even know if I can ever cover them. I don't know why, they just, one of those things that like ultra It's terrifying. Because it's babies. It's babies. And it's babies with guns and no. Miserable babies. Yes. Yeah. All right, we'll go on. I'm sorry. I just wanted to ask you that because I okay. never have asked anybody. And it's something that's always kind of weighed on me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, because of Columbine happening and everything like that. Yeah, she made him like, quit with a camo and yeah, gun talk. Yeah, and, I mean, and that's a good idea because kids at that time, when you dress like that, that's what people thought. They thought that you were, like, basically a terrorist. I got interviewed by the news. Yeah. Because I worked at a goth club, and they're like, are you in the trench coat mafia? I was like, um, excuse me, but trench coats are ugly, and this is pleather. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Yeah. And, um, and so he was going into... So this is, this is... April 1999 is when Columbine happened. Right. Right. We're... This whole time frame that we're talking in is like a two to three year time frame. So everything kind of happens really fast because it's high school and things like, you know, high school. Man, three years between 13 to 16 is, is a, a world of difference. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a huge deal. And so like relationships between friends, mm -hmm. they get really heated really quickly. Um, relation like relationships in general, they just they they burn so hot so quick and then they fizzle out so cold so quick. Oh yeah, I mean so our, these things yeah. like you have to think like in their shoes, their emotions are going crazy. Well, the like, hormones. They, they and... think they're so much bigger than they are. You and, know, and all of your problems when you're that age are just magnified by twenty they're for some huge. fucking reason. They're insurmountable. Yes, yes. Yeah. You and you'll so see hopeless. that in their in their behavior. You're like. How the fuck can you even think, think that way? But we all thought to, that way when we were kids. We just forget, you know? I was crazy. So I, I get it. Oh, I was the most melodramatic bitch. <laughs> Me too. God. So, so he's going into... So at some point in the summer, in between junior high and high school, him and this Tony kid had a falling out. <coughs> Excuse me. And that looks kiss me. me. <laughs> uh, they had a falling out because Tony had, or excuse me, Isaac had 
a lot of other things on his plate and he wasn't really paying a lot of attention to Tony and he wasn't was he not into their little role play games no more well it's not just that he wasn't keeping up with the um the shelter that they were building together like this little like clubhouse kind of thing that they were building he wasn't he's kind of outgrowing his end of the of the thing I don't know that he was necessarily outgrowing it he just he wasn't focusing on it. He was going through a lot with his family, and he was having to work a lot. Ah, there you um, go. His yeah. dad had a back injury, and it left his mom working. And then it was him and his older sister, who was uh, her name's Liz. She's about eighteen years old, so she's a senior. And so she's working. He's a what sophomore freshman. Um, and he's working, and they're also babysitting their two younger brothers. Like, oh it's yeah, just it sounds like they had a lot of adult responsibilities they had to, on their. They kid had to plates. pick up. They had to pick up bills and stuff yeah. for their parents, and so it was just a you know a tough time. And so he didn't have time to go hang out with go his best play friends. in the woods. Yeah, and so they got into a little fight about it, and so they weren't really as close going into high school. Right, and so. At this point, going into high school, um, now, this Grimes kid, this Isaac Grimes kid, again, he's very, very, very nerdy, very closed off. So he goes into high school without his best friend. Uh-oh. Right? Yeah. He goes into high school without his best friend, so he has nobody to lean on. He's really, really confused. He, he's scared. Like, he's very scared. I think that's what really boils it down to. He's just really scared. High school, the first year is fucking terrifying. It's terrifying. So, he's very lonely. And so, when when a popular guy pays him attention, he's going to like that attention. Well, yeah. And so, if a popular boy wants to be his friend, he's going to want to be his friend. Obviously. Right? Okay. So... He's going into high school and everything, and um, and his parents agreed that, like, he was just one of those kids that just kind of kept to himself and just read a lot of books, and that it was, so it was really weird that an older kid, a senior, was, like, hanging out paying attention. That's a little weird. With this kid. That is weird. Yeah. They were like, okay, but no offense. You're not that cool. Mm-hmm. So let's just admit that. Is this becoming like a weird grooming situation? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. yep. And nothing yep. is sexual, but it's still he's targeting him because he doesn't well, have Well, I just want to point out because in case anyone gets confused, grooming doesn't always have to be sexual. Right. It can right. be for other right. nefarious right. purposes right. as well. Right. When I say grooming, I mean an older person manipulating a younger person either through social standing, right. money, attention. Right. For a nefarious purpose. And Isaac's mother even later said that it was very much like like a shark in the water smelling blood. That is grooming. That yes. is like the classic yes. definition yes. for sure. Yes. And um, and so, yeah, he had seen him in, um, I think it was his Latin class, and was like, hey, do you like chess? And he's like, oh, excuse me, of course I love chess. You know? <laughs> obviously and um and the thing about chess is is that to isaac chess meant a lot 
Um, his grandfather had just passed away, and him and his grandfather played chess together. His grandfather was also the, the military man that we talked Producer about. Producer Will was in the chess club. <laughs> See that. <laughs> well, um, and then this older boy, um, Simon, he was also in the chess club. He taught chess. Oh, wow. Um, he was actually, like, like pretty high up there in the state he competed in chess and so they started talking about chess now um it really particularly stuck with isaac because not not only did his grandfather who had taught him chess like recently died right. but a teacher at his previous school remember he's going from a school that he was the oldest in to being the, the youngest, being the yeah. youngest. High school now stuff. the the teacher that he really looked up to at his previous school um had played chess with him after school. So, so remember, she, he's just primed he, for something you know, like this to you know, happen. But this is like chess holds that like fatherly feel to it. Exactly. His chess, his teacher that played chess with him died of a heart attack at 32. Oh, shit. Right after his grandfather died. And this is the summer before and his meeting. dad. This is literally months yeah. before. But and his dad is incapacitated, exactly. no longer to be kind of the fatherly breadwinner figure. Exactly. So he's all mixed up. Mm-hmm. He's all mixed mm-hmm. up. He's dealing with a lot of grief yep. and trauma, and, and not having a direction. He's he needs somebody to tell him which way to he go. He needed a strong mentor, and he, he just didn't have that right. Then. And he was seeking it, and so he was. Finding it he in was the putting wrong out them places. vibes too. Mm-hmm. The vulnerable vibes. The vulnerable vibes. Vulnerable. That's really hard to say. I don't know how it flew out of me. Perfect. Vulnerable vibes. Vulnerable. I can't even um, say it again, and I never will. So <laughs> enjoy that. But yeah, so you know, this really popular guy comes up to him, starts talking to him about chess and video games, and is like, you know, hey, we seem to be like into the same shit. You want to hang out? He was like. Yeah, yeah, obviously. He's like, I have this club that you could be in, Uh-oh. and we can hang out more often if you want to join my club. And he's like, well, I don't qualify for any other clubs. What's your club? And his club was called OARA, Operations and Reconnaissance Agents. That's a bad club. That's a bad club. Well, yeah. <laughs> this is a bad club. But does that sound like people? It sounds like a LARP. Does it sound like possibly a cult? Why, yes, Willow, it does. Do we have a New Year's Eve murder and a cult in one story? I think we might. Are you pumped? Yeah, I was pretty pumped. <laughs> <laughs> you look so pleased with yourself right now. You look so I, like, I did it. I did it. <laughs> that is pretty amazing. I got the theme. You got yeah. the theme. Okay. You nailed the theme. Thank you. New Year's Thank Eve you. cult. New Year's Eve killing. New Year's Eve cult killing. It's bridging the gap. Bridging the gap. Bringing the themes together <laughs> in a beautiful marriage. I told you it was going to be a good transition. It is. It's smooth like butter. Smooth like butter. Isn't that one of them K-pop band songs? Smooth uh, like butter. It's on a phone commercial. It drives me crazy. All right. So I'll talk more about this Simon guy. We'll we'll dive into him later. Is it going to become a Simon Says? <coughs> God damn it. Did I ruin it? You ruined it. I don't know what you expected from me. Of course I'm going to say that. (laughs) I know. Anyways, so Isaac's parents are obviously suspicious of this entire friendship relationship. It's stanky. It's stanky. And so the whole time, like the whole, I mean, this is like a year, I think a year and a half 
long relationship that, I mean, we're going to get into it. It goes crazy. But um, during this time, like the whole time, Isaac's parents are like real sus, real asking him questions like all the time, real up in his business, trying to get him to stay home more often, trying like trying like hell to keep their child. Now, I know. And before we go down that I road know. where everybody's like the parents, let me tell you something. You, tr you have a 15, 16 year old. Have one. And then get back to me. Mm -hmm. Because the more you tell them not to do mm -hmm. a thing, the harder they mm -hmm. will do that thing. Mm -hmm. When it was uh, COVID first happened, I made my kids watch the movie Contagion by uh, Soderbergh or whatever his name is. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that movie's fucked. But it's the most accurate portrayal of a pandemic in a movie. Right. And there's a scene where the teenage girl breaks quarantine to go make out with her boyfriend and i pointed to the children with a shitty look on my face and i was like don't be that child this stupid idiot gonna kill her whole family what do you think will wanted to do in the middle of the pandemic wanted to go see his girlfriend at the time he was like i'm gonna walk and i was like what are you talking about i'll die Feelings are so big to teenagers. Right. You can't be mad at them for that kind of shit. Right. And plus, the decision-making parts of their brain aren't developed. I ran away so many times. I ran away like once a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a mm -hmm. piece of shit. I, yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, before we go in on this whole crusade, like, fuck the parents. None of the parents in this story did wrong. No. I mean, Simon's parents, maybe. We don't know enough like, about them, I don't think, probably. I mean, his dad kind of sucks. But, like... All dads kind of suck. We'll, we'll get into it. None of yeah. the parents are a real catalyst to any of this. They weren't, like, horrible, drunk, abusive dicks no, that burned them with cigarettes. No, 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 no. None of them... None of them... This isn't, like, any of those cases that we've done before. Um, oh, this just becomes, like, kind of the perfect storm of bullshit. It really is. Simon is very manipulative, and we'll see that... Um, now, Isaac's sister, Liz, who's 18 and mm -hmm. a senior, she's in Simon's classes. Right. And so she knows him, and she doesn't like him. She she can't fucking stand this kid. And um, she said that during one of their forensics classes, he told her that his godfather taught him how to break into people's houses and how to be a sniper. Oh, fuck this kid. Also, um, forensic class in high school? Why yeah. wasn't that? Or I, I would have been in that class. I know. God damn it. Also, Simon and his friend John, John Matheny, Matheny um, comes up a lot in this case. Um, and I I got to find a little bit about him, but he, he's just a recurring person, you'll see. Just a little bit is known about him, but he's just kind of one of the guys. Um, but they came over and slit her slit all four of her tires when she went to go visit a friend's house. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and this ended up costing her over $300. And... Yeah, tires is expensive. Yeah, and she tried to confront him about it, but he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And, like, <clears throat> yeah, basically yeah. gaslighted over it. But, yeah, she really does not... Well, like no! Him. He sounds mm -hmm. like a psycho. Mm -hmm. No. And, uh... So... Before I get into like who did what and when who did and what and where, yeah. I want to go back over what this club is all about because this club. I am curious. 
kind of the main <coughs> part here. And from all the resources that I've seen, not a lot of people really touch on this. I scoured the internet. Scoured. Did you peek into the internet's dark underbelly? I crawled inside. Ooh, like in the Star Wars when he cut open that llama thing. And you know, cold. ain't nothing there about the O-A-R-A. I want to know about the O-A-R-A. Operations and Renaissance. Recon oh, I was like, it's a Renaissance <laughs> festival? I love those. That's where you can dress up like an elf and fuck everybody. <laughs> Push titties up. Drink Push beer. your titties mm -hmm. up, drink beer, and have sex with every Oper pirate there. Operations and Reconnaissance agents. Ah, that's not as fun. No, it's nowhere because it's made up. So is this like he made up a club, but it was really just a do what I say club and then commit petty crimes? You're really good at this. Yeah, you're really good at this. So this group was like made up of <laughs> this group was made up of Simon Sue. His last um, name was Sue? It's a South American okay. name. Yeah. Because I wanted to make fun of him, but I won't now. Yeah. Uh, he's not white. Okay. Um, Simon Sue, um, this Isaac Grimes, John Matheny, and a kid named Glenn Urban. And this club had started out um, primarily as a paramilitary group uh, where each got a rank, like lieutenant or major. Um, Simon was the ringleader, obviously. Now, this group made Grimes excited because obviously it's He'd already been based. into this kind of thing. He's already into this shit. So he comes into it with kind of an expert. He's like, shiny. You know what I mean? Shiny. He's super excited. He's the new guy in the cool guy military But he knows survivalist stuff. He's already studied yeah. it. He's been studying it for years. He's this just, hit all his little this buttons. Hit all the it's buttons. chess. It's, it's a cool guy. Yeah. You know, it's all of it. He said, I started out as a lieutenant, then I became a major, and then I became a lieutenant colonel. And he was really excited about that part. Um, but what started out as like a fun, like after school group, um, became a dangerous cult, like really fast. So Yeah, I know what that's like. <laughs> So at first, um, Grimes said it was a lot of compliments, like a lot of self-esteem building material, like chanting, like, you're one of us, you're one of us. And like, you're cool. Like, Ooh, that is how it group. starts. That is how it um, starts. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said that, um, this is like the craft, but for boys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, uh, Rambo craft. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, initially, initially, Simon made Isaac the intelligence officer. Remember? He's he wanted to be smart. a secret agent. He's not as smart as all of the other, like, like, mathletes or whatever. Right. So he's not smart enough to be in the smart kids group. So being the intelligence made leader. Made him feel smart. Made him feel smart. And the secret agent stuff, like you said, yep. Yep. made him feel super fucking cool and important. And, um, and yeah, it made him feel special. Um, he and was, he had ne probably never felt special. He had never felt special. I guarantee you, in his relationship with the other kid, whatever his name was, Todd or whatever. Tony. Tony. Mm -hmm. That was close. Yeah. Um, he probably felt Tony outshone him. I feel like Tony and him were more brotherly, which brothers can have falling out, brothers yeah. can have resentment. One brother seems more favored. Yeah, It's just the dynamic yes. vibe I get from this mm -hmm. is, that, is that Tony might have had... 
like a better social standing than him at school. And I think Tony was more immature. Yes. He was more baby playing with Legos and he wanted and, to play with real guns. And Isaac was more serious. Yes. And so he gets into this group where he's taken seriously for the first time. His ideas are yes. valued. Yes. And it is just a recipe for fucking disaster. Well, and this this is this becomes like an extremely serious thing. Um because what like became like this what he called a band of brothers, um, which was these four high school kids, um, eventually turned into like something really really intense. So basically, um, um, sorry, I'm getting names mixed up. Simon started getting them emotionally invested before he broke them. Simon would teach them, um, teach them. He would go from like teaching them chess. To teaching them how to um, assemble firearms, oh. clean firearms, target practices, things like this. Um, he started building their, their military agility, Experience, their yeah. abilities, and stuff like that. Then he started doing weird shit. Then he started making them eat and drink like, like continuously until they threw up. Like, really weird, like... That's cult-like shit, though. Pushing the limits of their physical... That is cult-like shit, though, because what you end up doing is you create an environment of trust first. Right. Then you build up people's self-esteem. Right. Mm-hmm. You create a camaraderie with everyone, mm-hmm. a lot of love and light and flowers and shit. Yes. Then we're going to just do routine shit. Yes. That you don't know is conditioning yes. and training And a lot you. of times in these cults, this routine shit... Doesn't make any sense. No. But you're already That's not the point. Singer. It doesn't. It's, it shows that you will mm-hmm. not only accept instruction, but you're used to it. Yes. And then yes. we get into the psychological torture aspect and physical yes. torture. Yes. By then you'll endure anything for these people. He said that he was being trained like a dog. Like later on, years oh, later yeah. in prison, he said he was being trained and groomed like a dog. I believe that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like a thousand percent. Um... And then it progressed into, like, making them watch, like, repetitive, um, like, cold underground films. Uh, one called The Faces of Death, in which oh, yeah, it shows animals getting tortured and killed. And people, too. And, and people. And, it, and, and he did a lot of this to, desi- to desensitize them to yeah. violence. Well, it also... So, whether... This is a science thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to interject it because I know it. And it plays into psychology behind this sort of stuff. Right. So when you watch something like any kind of violence, death, gore, stuff like that, it excites the limbic part of your brain. Right. And that sends out all kinds of crazy messages. But it also sends out pleasure chemicals, which is why you'll see, like, a lot of these sadosexual serial killers are first really into violent pornography. And, but just like anything, just like, okay, let's take an example from like drugs. Like, let's say you use a lot of Molly, for example. It just pushes out all the serotonin you have in your brain at once. And it's awesome. Except the next day you feel like sad shit. And if you keep doing it over and over and over, you don't have any serotonin left at all and you get really depressed. It's a similar mechanic i've been brainwashed through like high doses of molly like force feeding oh yeah me. people have done that shit. force feeding i i was force fed over an eighth a day oh god and was was brainwashed to the point to where i didn't remember 
like a whole year of my life. Mm -hmm. And then it took me about a year, year and a half to come down off of it, of, of sobriety. Yeah. To come down off of all of that. And I still don't have a lot of those memories. Well, the thing is, is it destroys serotonin and those kind of chemicals aren't just happy chemicals. They also help in making memories and shit. Yes. So if you don't have it, you're mm -hmm. not going to make it, obviously. Mm -hmm. But what he's doing, and whether Simon knew that he was doing this or not, mm -hmm. he may not have. You know, he just might have been like, this is how we train. We get desensitized to violence. But what he was doing was making not only desensitized to it and lessen the shock value, but forming an addiction to these yeah. horrible things. Mm -hmm. And now they're all bonding through addiction. Mm -hmm. it's and trauma bonding. Yeah, trauma bonding. And it's the same as if they're mm -hmm. sitting there like jerking off to porn together. It's not that much different. Right. It's a primitive part of your brain that gets excited when it sees violence. And that's why you see all these people that have been to war together... Um, exactly. veterans like hooking up afterwards and like starting their little veteran parties. Well, no one stuff. else can understand what they've been through. Right. Other than someone else who's been through it with them. Right. And that's exactly what's going on in this situation. And it is, oh my God, this is so scary. Yeah. And this, this happens in almost every cult. This, this yeah. is what they do. Again, why can't we have a cult where we just pet kittens? Right. Like just pour a basket of kittens on me. So in the background of all of this... The main goal in Simon's mind, like the whole reason why he's training them, their quote unquote larger mission, um, he's preparing them to fend off a coup that could happen to Simon's family um, because they are from Guyana. Do you know where, where, where Guyana is? I thought that was in Africa. It's in South South America. Oh God, y'all geography's not. Do you know? Subject. Do you know what happened in Guyana? Uh, no. I mean, I kind of, but like, the, clearly, I don't even know where it is. So the, please educate me. The the mass murder suicide of People's Temple, where nine hundred and eighteen oh, followers died, yeah. with the leader Jim Jones. That's right. That's in right. Jonestown Flavor Aid. Bullshit happened at the exact yeah, same time. And it place. weren't Kool-Aid bitches. As flavor aid. As flavor aid. So this is where he's from. Now he didn't grow up he didn't live here or he wasn't born here. His family was from here. So he but they've visited talked about it. He visited there you all the time. Their family is really big on their heritage from there. And so I didn't have um, obviously I didn't have enough time to like really dig into the politics of Guyana, but I will say that Simon himself was extremely fixated on the politics of Guyana. Um, and the, the summer before the summer, um, before the tragedy, but the summer after Columbine. Okay. This summer was kind of a turning point and I'll get into it. The, the whole thing in a second. But during the summer, um, he ended up going to Guyana. Like, he goes, over, like, as much as possible. Because he got family there. Yeah, yeah. Because he has family there. So, this Simon Sue guy. We're, I'm going to break his, his character down a little bit. So, Simon Ewing Sue. He's very small. 
He is about five foot. He's about a hundred pounds, and to everyone, he is uh, very good looking. Everybody really thinks he's very attractive. All the girls are attracted to him. He has a lot of charisma. He yeah, is very, say. very popular in school. Really, probably very outgoing. Very outgoing. Very outspoken. I saw some of his speeches that he did in school, and a lot of it is is very military, like militant. And it's very, like, um, aggressive. You know how a lot of, like, like dictators and a lot of, like, really scary politicians, you'll see them, like, across history, they're, like, making these really big speeches and they're very dramatic and they're very mad and they're angry and they want to... Well, it's exciting. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and it's a very vibrant way of speaking, even though it's very harsh. Um, it It's very moving and people listen to it. This is exactly the way that he would speak. And so he was very good at manipulating his audience. Um, his family, he had two older brothers, one was a Marine and one was a lawyer. And his mother said out of the three boys, she thought he was the most special. Out of a lawyer and a Marine, she thought this fucking jack off weirdo. It's going to be because he's so outgoing, gregarious and superficially charming because he's probably, I'm just going to say he's probably psychopath. Yeah. Sociopath yeah. at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. He he seemed to really charm his mother. Excuse me. She said that he was funny and quirky, and she loved that he helped her cook. Uh-huh. So you could kind of see that he was kind of, um, I mean, in a way, can he groom up? Like, he was kind of grooming his mother in a way to be like, Well, that's you know, the oh, thing with I'm, fucking sociopaths. They groom everyone around them. Yeah, they do. Them. They do. Absolutely. Um, and it, now his father is somebody that he looked up to. His father was an absolute curmudgeon. He was grumpy. He never showed any, like, positive emotion. He had a gun collection. There we go. And he loved his gun collection. I'm telling you, I'm telling... Okay, no. You know what I promised myself I wouldn't do today, Willow? Uh. A preachy, angry rant. I'm just gonna shut up. Oh, Gun's good bad. Good there luck. we go. Um, good luck. So... <laughs> His his dad, like, not only had, like, a gun collection, but his dad was, like, really into the gun market. And so his favorite thing that he got from his dad was his dad taught him not only all about guns, the cleaning, the shooting, the, all that stuff mm-hmm. that men love to, they love to, like, pass that information. So it's a wiener extension. It is. Sure. It is. Like, son, let's sit down and let me Play teach you how to. Yeah. Um... Not only did he do that, but he also, like, he loved guns so much that he had, like, um, like, he was in the gun market. He would buy, sell, trade guns. He would fix them up and things like that. He did the same thing with cars, only apparently he wasn't as good with cars because they had a lot of broken down cars in their yard. Um, Hey, this is Arkansas. I don't judge. No, I got a broken down car in my yard. Try not to laugh, but, um, (laughs) you know, but, like, he... He was like that quote unquote dad that would teach him these quote unquote manly things. He really looked up to this in his dad. Um, in kindergarten, Simon brought a machete to school for show and tell. When the teacher talked to his parents about this, instead of getting mad, the parents were like, Oh, that's from Guyana. And they're like, Yes, it's a machete. And he, they're like, Oh, well, he's just really proud of his heritage. Like, he's it's in a kindergarten. It's a machete. It's, it's a, a machete. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really <coughs> proud me. of my machete, too, but I'm not going to take I'm not it gonna, I'm not going to allow the children to You know I have it. a machete sword hunting knife combo. Right. 
Yeah, I've seen it. Um, <laughs> so in elementary school, like later on, a few years later, um, he had snuck a little girl into his house, showed her his dad's gun collection. Oh, no. And then whispered in her ear, you better learn to sleep with one eye open. Jeezy crazy. To which she thought, like, in the moment, I think she thought that he was joking, but, like, she never got over that. No, it's fucked up. Yeah. And this is, like, baby Simon, you know? Like, he's, like, probably eight, if not younger. I wouldn't be surprised if he hurt animals. So. Wouldn't shock me. (laughs) So, at, at the time that he meets Isaac, he's a senior at Palmer High School. Um, and... Yeah, he was just, he was just that, 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 that senior guy that everybody wants to be friends with, you know, his hair looks perfect, you know, like everybody's like, oh, I want to be his friend. And He's so, so funny and fun and weird. all of that built yeah. up and then him having like, like the goodness in his heart to reach out and be his friend. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and then he, it was I'll even let you be in my deal. super secret awesome club. That was such a huge deal. And this is the this is how he recruited people, obviously. Obviously. And so, you know, and you make someone feel even more exclusive. You're not just hanging out. You're in their super secret club. Right. Yeah. So according to Simon's friends, the main the three main things that were on his mind that he talked about the most were terrorism, revolution, and power. I just thought that was the dumbest thing. <laughs> power so for what? <laughs> um, now he told the ORA at one of their meetings, he told them that his father was a former member of the ORA. And so it was kind of like his duty to continue it on. Okay. And that his parents were friends with the president of Guyana. That his mother was a very influential family, that was part of a very influential family there in Guyana, and that it kind of painted the picture as if they were, like, political refugees. Yeah, I was fixing to say, it sounds like he's trying to make a case. It never said that, but technically, but that's what it sounds like to me. I think you're on the right track, Um, because that's exactly what I was thinking. And I don't think any of this is true, obviously. Oh, no, I think he's a big fat liar. No, but he he really painted the picture that he was well-to-do, and his family was well-to-do, and that it was very official. They're a big deal. Like, like they could possibly be part of the CIA down there. Like, it was a big fucking deal. And the ORA isn't a thing. He just made it up. It's not a fucking thing. It's not a thing. No. So, he said that, um, that he himself... This eighteen-year-old boy in in high school, um, that that he was a secret agent in a paramilitary group organization, um, this ORA, and that he needed to train, he need needed to recruit and train, um, young boys, uh-huh. um, just in case there was an ever an uprising against the Guyanese government. Um, or what they called the People's Progressive Party, which his mother was a huge part of. Um, he showed the boys that, um, he showed the boys in the cult, uh, photos of him in military uniform. He showed them videos of his father's home in Guyana. He showed them Guyanese coins. He showed them his father's gun collection, which, um, his father, Keith had machine guns, automatic, semi-automatic and AK-47. Cool. That's great. Because of all of this. They believed him. They believed that there could be a coup at any fucking moment and they needed to be ready. Now, apparently, the whole reason why the the ORA 
was put together um, was to root out drug dealers through various good missions, quote-unquote. Leave the weed man alone. And support the people of the People's Party, the People's Progressive Party. And it's like, how does he get these kids to care about shit happening in Guyana? That is wild to me. (laughs) My next sentence. Okay. (laughs) And it literally says, oh. (laughs) And that the the boys, um, so they were going to, once they were ready in the United States, they were going to go down to Guyana. And when they got there, he was going to have a beautiful Guyanan wife ready for them. And that that summer beforehand, whenever he went there, that he had met a virgin and that they had, um, like he had proposed and that they were engaged to be wed the next time he went there. So he was going to get married. Everybody was going to have their virgins once they got there. Okay. Can I take a pause and ask this question of you? Sure. So... What's the deal with, like... Okay, first of all, virginity is not a thing. And if you want to argue with me, you know where my butthole is and what you can do with it. Yeah. You can lick it. But why would you even want one? I've, I just want to yeah. fuck someone who doesn't know what they're doing and is going to cry the whole time. Yeah, I really okay. don't want to talk about the subject. Because it gives me... Yeah, it yeah. just... It upsets me, too. I know, it's just so I know. This has been, like, the lifelong question for me is, like, why would you want... Yeah, why? Why would you want that? You wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, in fact, I refused several offers in my younger years from guys who like, you can be my first. And I'm like, I'll pass. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. Sounds like a bad, inept time. And so I just don't, I guess I'll never understand the fascination with it. But I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say it's rooted in misogyny and it sucks and it makes me angry. It's, it's the tale as old as time. You know, just, just hate women forever. Yeah, yeah, and don't let them have fun and sex. But but what I find interesting is the parallels to like extreme Islamic terrorist groups. Right. Well, and you have to think the about like the what we know of the Islamic terrorism groups. Um, it's similar. Their well, their recruitment and everything is very similar. North to what this America guy does. does not know much about South America. We just don't know shit. Obviously, about, I don't know about fuckle. Central or South America. We. We're literally, like, I feel like our government just doesn't want us to look down there or something. <laughs> Don't look um, in there. Which, yeah, for real. Which, that has been my entire main focus of my whole life is, hey, what's down there? Because I feel like I'm from there, so right. let's see. Um, but not just that. I've always, like, when I was little, I just remembered this. Okay. I mean, I, I remember it every now and then. But when I was little, um, you know that, that movie, um, the the encounters of the third kind where he goes crazy and he builds that, that it must mean something. Yes. Yes. And and he, he he builds that mountain on the table. Yeah. When I was like in fourth grade, I had to do a project on, um, Machu Picchu. Fucking love. And I was already obsessed with South America and, and South American ruins and things like that. And so my, um, my adopted mother taught me how to make, um, like flower pass, plaster out of like flour and water and i went into the zone and i i, I came out Machu on the Pichu? other end and i made a detail replica of the mountain range that goes down the side of south america oh, and cool. put in machu picchu like with two pigs and everything i love that yeah girl i love that shit i don't know why i went on that i just had a random memory about it but 
Well, you listen when you have no, trauma I, memory I, block and you yeah, remember yeah, something, you must talk out. about it. Yeah, but yeah. the thing about South America is that like guerrilla warfare is really really intense. Mm-hmm. I have a friend, and I don't think she wants me. I haven't spoken to her in many years. She's in Brazil. Um, I I don't really think that she wants me to go into detail about it. But I do have a friend that was in South America that was kidnapped by um oh gorillas by that's like terrible. you know like like the, the that's really that common there. over the, yeah. the yeah and like and she saw people as a young child be offed one by one like her entire bus was taken over by um you know the, these machine gun toting guerrilla warfare people that like um what are they called i'm i'm losing the word um that that, that would be about right anyways um she she yeah she had to hide from him she almost got killed by them and so and you know each of the groups are different like some of them yeah yeah, are like drug dealers some of them are like um they're revolutionaries and like yeah a lot of them are just like trying to take over the governments yeah um i've seen talking about like desensitizing um with the the underground films and stuff i've seen a number of underground films of of um Rebels is the word I was looking yeah. for, of of rebels, um, offing people. I've I've seen rebel yeah. murders on film tons of times, but that's just that's that's something that goes on in their society down there that we don't really know or talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that it's across the board that everybody's savage in South America. That's fucking stupid. No. It's paradise down there. Um, and it depends on, like, number it one, on where you're at you're and, about. and the locale and the local politics. And of course. It's complicated. But I... I and, and again, I didn't go into my studies in Guyana. I would have if I had more time. But from what I've seen in him and Simon... Excuse me. It seems as though their country was having a bit of that um, rebel uprising kind of thing going on. And Some so political was, violence was, was going on. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it was heavy on his mind. It was heavy on his family's mind. And we'll get into it later. But I don't know. I don't know if he was just bored and he was using that, or I think he, he was really using it. Was, as a means of control and making himself seem special and to get right. them to fight for him because he right. was embroiled in this struggle, right. which was noble and bigger than him. Right. I think it was a manipulation tactic personally, right. but you never know. Definitely. Definitely. And I mean, it's something so far out of their knowledge that they would, they would believe him. Right. They didn't really need that much proof to believe him. No, they were into it. Yeah. So, I keep talking about the summer before. Um, let's get into the summer before. So we had Columbine happen that April. They got out for school that June. And then all that summer, um, Isaac's like working, his sister's working, and Simon goes to Guyana. So during this time, Simon, like right, right before Simon left, Simon started kind of testing their loyalty and started making them commit these like petty crimes, petty thefts and things like this. This is how it starts out at the beginning. So at first Simon told Isaac, um, to go with John. Now John is always the guy that he's always involved. He's always driving around. Is he like the number two? He's the number two. He's very quiet. He's very, he's just, he's the guy. He's like the chauffeur. Right. You know? 
Um, because he's the one that turns 16 and gets his license first. You know what I yeah. mean? So, um, he tells Isaac to go with John and help him with a raid, quote unquote. The target was Gabe Mikor. Um, he was, he was a Palmer High School student who was, who used to be Simon's friend. And he might have been part of the ORA At previously. Some point, yeah, I was going to ask. Um, and they were supposed to go to his house and steal guns. Now, I heard several sources say that it happened or it didn't happen, but I heard in one of his interviews, he said that it happened numerous times that he would go to these old friends of Simon's house and or old ORA yeah. members and, and continuously steal their guns. Because Simon knew where all the guns were stashed. Because I guess he's just been doing this. He's been ha- making other people go steal guns for him and hiding them Jesus. in different places. Yes. That's so fucked. Yes. So, um, so at first Isaac was really scared and he tried to back out. But Simon told Isaac that he was in too deep, he couldn't turn around, and he had to sign an oath. At this point, he signed an oath basically saying that he had no right to make any decisions and that Simon and the ORA were going to make all of his decisions for him Jeez. and that he could not, like, he could basically not argue with them and he had to do everything that he said. So that summer of 2000, um, between Isaac's freshman year and sophomore year, he was promoted to lieutenant colonel of the ORA. He had to type up expense reports into all of his earnings for Simon. Um, yeah, while there's Simon, the control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was like kind of like giving him giving him like more responsibilities, meaning that you're a special you're a special baby. You get more privileges and more responsibilities mm-hmm. means that I trust you, right? Yeah. So and yep. you get a new title, you know, all that stuff, you're a special baby. So he's he's taking all the expense reports and everything like that while um while Simon is in Guyana. Um, now at this point it's, uh, he's working at Carl's Jr. And he's babysitting his brothers all summer and every bit of money that he makes, he's putting right into the ORA. That's part of his oath. And at some point in the report, uh, for July of that year, he had taken note that he was given five weapons, including an assault rifle, a number of pocket knives, um, which had been seized from a former cult member, um, an ex-friend of Simon's. His name was Darren Dodge. And so while Simon was in Guyana, um, Isaac had kind of been careless with the money because he didn't have, you know, this figure looming over him telling him what to do. And he had been slightly care- careless with the money. It doesn't say how much he spent, but... When Simon came back from Guyana, he was really pissed. He had found out and he was like, he freaked out on him. And he said that he owed the OARA $2,000, which was way more than he could have possibly spent. Right. And way more than he could like make. But basically he had no choice. He had to like work it off. Um and so Simon put him on probation, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and took his weapons away. Simon started to get really angry with Isaac and denoted him and said that he considered him the weakest of the group. 
Which is another manipulation tactic. Right. I was going to say, like, before we get any further, I want to talk about, like, what exactly this is doing to Isaac's psyche. Fucking him up. Yes. Because you're giving him... First of all, you're making him feel much older than 15. Okay? Let's just be honest with that part. His his ego is inflamed. He feels like he's 25. He's part of the military. He's, like... He's a mild man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He's going to save the whole fucking world. You know? Like, rise up against the coup. So... He's feeling really good about himself. He has all this responsibility. He's doing really good. He's making money. Blah, blah, blah. And well, Simon spent all this time building him up just to crash just him down. Just to crash him down. And now he's feeling like he did. Probably desperate. Exactly. Scared. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So in mid-December, whenever they broke for Christmas, um, Simon went to Toronto, Canada with his dad to visit his uncle. And at this point of time, he got an international calling card to keep in touch with his boys and his cult. Yeah. Excuse me. And John was left in charge. Now, Simon would basically tell John exactly what to make everybody do, basically. And Isaac was supposed to relay every single move he made to both John and Simon. John was given special, uh, specific instructions from Isaac that they were to raid the home of Carl Dutcher, Tony Dutcher's grandfather. Okay. Now we're bringing it back around. So we're bringing it back around. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're right at, like, right before the event. So Tony Dutcher is, again, Isaac's old best friend. But why his brother, or why his, his grandfather, Carl Dutcher... Now, if you remember, Carl Dutcher, his grandfather, was in Vietnam. Now, Simon Simon liked to say that he was against racism, but he really, 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 he had a thing against, like, all kinds of racial backgrounds, especially, like, Asian for some reason. But he said that, he said that if, if he went if this guy went to Vietnam, that he had to have raped, like, all of these Vietnamese women and that he had to have been a drug dealer. And so he got, like, super fixated on the fact that this Vietnam vet, since he was a Vietnam vet, he had to have done all these things. And there's no okay. evidence to say that, yeah, that no. Tony's grandpa was a drug dealer. Um, if There's one heavily pixelated photo of him and he looks like the type of man that would have one heavily fix- pixelated photo of him you know what i mean like yeah i know he, exactly. just, he has the hat and like the beard and he just he looks like he doesn't give a fuck about technology he just looks like a grandpa i don't know but and and again i i don't know who's to say either way but i don't think that tony had a whole lot to go on with this theory that he had about no Tony's grandfather. But he was very fixated. Like, Isaac told um, Simon about Tony's grandfather being a Vietnam vet in November. And this crime happened... Late December. Um, yeah. The, yeah, December 31st. Yeah. So for basically three months, he's just been fixated on this old man as is is Vietnamese rapist. Like, no. Calm down. Calm down. But I just think he needed a target. Yeah. He had he, gone from all look. these ex-cult leader or cult oh, yeah, members. Well, I, 
thing is, is he's like building up, building up, building up. He they have to have some outlet for all this or he's right. going to start losing members. Right. So for the months leading up to the murder, Simon told Isaac that he was basically watching his mother, watching Isaac's mother, that he knew his her exact schedule. She knew when she left work, when she like arrived to work and when she went home from work. He told, um, he told Isaac that if he didn't do as he was told that he had John, um, ordered to kill his mother. He took him to his yard and showed him in the bushes, all of the places they had scoped out for sniper shooting to kill his sister Oh, my God. To kill his dad, to kill his younger brothers. He was like, if you do not do as I tell you to, like, months ahead, he was telling this guy, like, if you don't do as you're told. So he's been terrorizing him. He, right. He demotes right, him. He treats right, him like shit. Now he's right. scaring him to death. And eventually, Isaac, like, once once he realizes all the things that he has to do, he's like, I'm just going to kill myself. And he's like, if you do, I'm going to kill your whole family. Oh, my God. You know, I'll kill you and your whole family, basically. So, I mean, he feels like he has no choice. Um, Again, I go back to 15-year-olds aren't capable of making rational exactly, decisions. Exactly. So, we're at New Year's Eve. And this is when, like, the raid is supposed to go down. So, Isaac has to work his normal shift at Carl's Jr. Um, at one thirty. So he has John pick him up and drive him to work. John was told to pick him up from work and and pick or drop him off at work and pick him up from work. And basically, he's been doing this for a long time. Like John is his main transportation transportation everywhere, yeah. but this is this is a tactic designed to watch him. Clearly. You know, yeah. like this isn't this isn't and for I'm sure convenience. Isaac, yeah. This isn't like, "Oh, thanks buddy for giving me a ride." Isaac knows he's just being watched yes. and controlled yes. at this point. So, um, Isaac was supposed to tell his parents that he was going to dinner at Simon's uncle's house, which I don't get this one. Like, why would you tell your parents you're going to dinner on New Year's Eve at your friend's uncle's house instead of with your friend? Yeah, just make a better lie. That one's stupid. Yeah, and nobody questioned this. I, I question it, but I didn't see anyone else questioning it. I don't know. If I were a mom in that situation, I'd be like, what's that uncle doing? Who? Who this is? So, which is weird because you'll see here in a second, like he could have just told the original lie and just kept the lie across the board instead of telling this stupid one. I don't know. It didn't make any sense. Um, But it may have been, it may have been just one of those manipulative things that he was told to say so that way he could go back and see if he actually said it. Yeah, I agree. Like a weird test. Yes, I wouldn't put it past Simon, Mm -hmm, frankly. Absolutely. So after that, um, after work, he and John were to call Simon for more instructions, load up the car with all the weapons, and then drive to the Dutcher's house that night. So a few nights prior to the raid, um, Isaac had gone with John to locate the, um, the Dutcher's house and, and kind of case the place, kind of like scope it out. And Isaac got nervous and kind of acted like he didn't know where the house was and was like, oh, it's so dark. The roads look the same. I'm so confused. I don't, I don't, you know, and Maybe it's he like was trying to get out of it. He was, no, yeah, he was, clearly. but it's like, um, dude, this is your best friend 
growing up, like you, you know, where you this know where this fucking house is. You you nice practically try. lived here every weekend. Yeah, nice try. Also, um, that November, um, like a month prior, he had taken um, Simon's dad Keith to the Dutcher's house because he had left his hunting rifle at the Dutcher's house because him and Tony used to go hunting together. So he had taken Simon's dad, like Simon's dad had driven him there to pick up his hunting rifle. So he's like, clearly knows where the house is. So he's like, and Simon's like, you motherfucker. I know he's, he's on the phone in Canada, but he's like, I know, you know where it is. Bitch, get over there right now. You know, these things when he's out of the fucking country. But I mean, isn't that so much like a lot of other cult leaders? Oh, yeah, Charles Manson didn't exactly, kill anyone exactly, you know? exactly. That's why, like, in all of the and you know, Charles Manson so was snug. a creepy little short guy too. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But everybody just because of his personality and his charisma thought he was so hot, right? But okay, so, so yeah, obviously, Simon knew he was full of shit, and. Simon ordered him to to basically take him there, obviously. They resolved that. He was like, no, bitch, you know exactly where to go. But because you fucked up on that, I want you to devise the plan. I want you to devise the plan to basically go raid Carl's house and kill him. And so Isaac was like, okay. And so he's like super fucking nervous. So he made up like this really shitty plan. And Simon was like, bitch, I'm going to kill you. He's like, he's like, you have no close. You have no idea how fucking close to death you are right now. Like fucking do as I ask. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was like, okay, so I have to do this. So, so he did. So, um, so Isaac ended up actually going over to Tony's house and I'll break it down here in a second, but, um, he was definitely pushed numerous times to do this. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit back over the timeline from a different perspective real quick. So again, John picks up Isaac from one thirty to go to work. Now, Isaac's mom, Donna, Donna Grimes, got home from work around midnight and noticed that her son wasn't there. She woke up her husband, who again has that back problem. Um, He was asleep, and he said that he hadn't heard anything from Isaac, but he did receive a call from Tony, his old best friend, wondering where Isaac was. Oh, I see how the plan... I see the plan has been concocted. They thought this was weird since... They had had a falling out. Yeah, and he said he was going to Simon's uncle's house for dinner. Right, so... They're like, huh. They were really confused over that, but again, it's the middle of the night. They're like, well, we'll see in the morning. So Simon, or I mean, sorry, Isaac comes in with John at 9 a.m. that next morning. He rolls in. He's kind of like all like frazzled. I mean, first of all, obviously, if you're partying... on New Year's Eve, you're going to come home at 9 a.m. pretty fucked up looking. It's expected. Mm-hmm. But um, he gave them this, like, weird-ass story when they were like, where were you? He was like, he was like, well, John, which John is, like, standing right there with him. He's like, well, I got picked up from John after work. We went 
John and I went to our friend Glenn Urban's house, who he's also part of their little cult yeah, thing. Yeah, right. Um, and we spent the night at his house, at John's house with Glenn, and that was it. And then he came home, and he said, you know, I'm sorry, Mom, and try to, like, be super giddy about it and, like, change the vibe of the room, I guess. And, uh, and yeah, that was kind of it. And when she was like, so why did Tony call? Like, what was this all about? He was like, I don't know. Just kind of shrugged it off and like kind of walked off. Paid no mind to it. You suck at lying. (laughs) (laughs) So the whole plan was, is that him and uh, John were going to go hang out at Tony's house. I'm sure they called Tony and set that up. They hung out at Tony's house and... So now, okay, let's, let's go back to the crime scene day. Right. So they have the, his mother, Tony's mother is in the interrogation room. Um, and she says, well, what about Isaac Grimes? She was like, you need to check his clubhouse. Oh, that clubhouse that he... Is she talking about the, the new club? The, or the, no, the little the little clubhouse that they, that built they had together? built together as children. This was kind of his thing. He liked to camp out in the, like, in the winter right. because he was a survivalist. Now, the thing is, is that his dad, um, Tony's dad... Tony's parents were split up. His mom um, was either a stripper or a sex worker or something like that. Um... Tony didn't really like that aspect of his mother, but they were kind of like bridging the relationship with Christmas. Um, she even said that like, like, yeah, they hadn't really talked that much until Christmas, but on Christmas she got to like shower him with presents Aww. and it kind of like brought them closer. And like one thing that she mentioned was that like, he really liked his new watch that he got and it like made her like super happy. And his dad, um, he was staying with his grandparents because he was, like, originally living with his dad, but his dad was, like, on some hard times. His dad was supposed to come over that night and hang out with him in his clubhouse for New Year's and didn't because he had other stuff to do. He had work or something. That sucks. And he was like, it's okay, Dad. You know, my friend Isaac's going to come over. And, you know, these are family friends, right? Like, the... These kids have grown out of each other's houses, yeah. so it's not a big, it's not a weird thing for yeah. Isaac to come over on New Year's. So he's like, "It's okay, Dad. Isaac is gonna come over. Like, we're gonna fix things. Like, we're friends again. Like, super excited about this, right?" That's pitiful. So they're like, "Okay, yeah." So the clubhouse—that's what he was gonna do for New Year's. So they go to the clubhouse and police find him with his throat slit all the way to the bone. Oh my god. See, he's, I knew that's where this was going. He's in his sleeping bag and next to him is a game of Scrabble. Not even messed with. Not even tousled. It just shows like it's so fucking eerie because he was so comfortable. He's in his yeah. clubhouse. He's in his blankets and his little sleeping bag. Like he's so excited for New Year's. He's got Scrabble. He's got his best friends. And they killed him while he was asleep, I'm taking it. They came up behind him. Yeah. While he wasn't paying attention. That sucks. And left him there for three days. It's gross and terrible. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, 
and, and like the the whole case, the whole court case was pretty cut and dry. Um, you know, they brought Isaac in as soon as Tony's mother was like Isaac Grimes. They brought Isaac Grimes in with his mother. And the weird thing is, is like as soon as he enters the inter interrogation room with his mother, mm -hmm. as soon as that door closes and he knows that he's with authority by himself, he leans in and immediately says, do you know about Guyana? Like wild eyed, oh, like no. to the police officer. Now see, this is where we got to wonder about diminished capacity. This is how brainwashed this kid yeah. is. It sucks because like on one hand, he could have made different choices, but at the end I go back to he's, he's 15. 15 and they can't make good choices because the logical choice would have been the minute he threatened you and your family, you go to the police and say, this guy's nuts. He's hoarding guns. And he said he was going to kill me, but I'm sure Simon had already broken down his trust and authority. Right. Cause the first thing he's saying is Guyana and he's in that much trouble. Yes. That's what Before they even ask him anything. Before he even knows what he's there for. Because maybe he thought he was there for that because he's so fucked. Or maybe he's just like, holy shit, there's going to be a coup. I need to tell somebody, you know, like. That's so pitiful. And like, I, I'm not condoning his actions. Let's no, be clear. No, But I don't. No. I was threw the fucking book I, at him. The person that brainwashed me was was very cult leader like like it i was almost i was almost brainwashed into a cult and so i just i get it because now he wasn't from any any source that i saw he wasn't like using drugs anywhere that i saw but like still mm, you don't need drugs to, to be, brainwash, to a, brainwash child. a child yeah yeah but i Especially mean brainwashing like that is really really intense Oh, yeah, and, you know, I'm sure they threw the book at him, but I'm not sure I agree with it in advance. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure they charged him as an adult. Yeah, they so they got Grimes, they got Simon, and then they ended up getting... Um, John, too. John. And I didn't actually get... I didn't write down John's sentencing. I forgot to get that, just because... And, and I, I know his whole backstory. Um, I just didn't really put a lot of focus on it, just because he just seemed like... He doesn't seem that interesting. A I mean, guy on the wall, yeah. you know? And I feel for him because... He was brainwashed, He too. was brainwashed, too. If you see pictures of him, like, he looks like the same exact archetype, like the nerdy kid with the big glasses that probably doesn't have any friends, you know? He picked these kids and he groomed them. He knew Simon's exactly what he was doing. obviously the villain, even if yes. he didn't kill anyone. Yes, yes. But I'm sure Simon doesn't have as big of a sentence as the rest. Right. So, during the pretrial hearing, Simon claimed um, that he made everything up about the group just to get money from the kids. Sounds about right. Um, <laughs> Isaac Grimes is serving a 60-year sentence for killing his one-time best friend, Tony Dutcher, uh, when he was only 15. Grimes pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, but the most shocking part was whenever he explained why he did it. He said, according to him, it amounted to a twisted version of a child's game of Simon Says. Well, you know what? He get the 60 years for making that dumbass joke. I know, and that was supposed to be my mic drop, but it wasn't really good. I'm sorry, you already I'm it sorry but it, now I'm mad because yeah. it's stupid. It's, it's a stupid really, thing it's to just say. really fucked up because. You know, the whole thing is just. 
is just like, I don't know. Uh, because, like, again, like, how much culpability does a brainwashed person have? Because then we can go and look at the Charles Manson murders, right. and right. Manson didn't kill anyone, but, but was they in jail. Were so fucked up. They were on, young, and yeah. they were on so many drugs and yeah. a lot of sexual assault and grooming. And have you seen the tapes of the, of the Charlie Manson girls like I going have. through like like all of their group therapy and shit? Is that crazy? Did you see how like even the ones that didn't do any of the murdering would like crawl on the ground and stuff in front of the press like it just shows that the thing the is human psyche is so fucking fragile like it's so insane it's, no it's not it's not fragile because these these trauma bonds and all that these are coping mechanisms and survival skills the issue is is that it's not a bear coming after you like when you're a right. caveman i don't think our evolution has caught up with the the way society has progressed. Oh, absolutely. So we're still just animals. Absolutely. And we're confused. Absolutely. Like, I have ADHD, for example, and so in a hunter-gatherer society, I am the queen who can do everything. I can keep us safe. I don't even need as much fucking sleep. But see, I'm the ADHD squirrel that's like, wait, over here, over here, over here, where do I go? Where do I hide? Oh my God, danger's coming. Oh my God, what do I do? And then I'm eaten by a bear because I can't make a decision. I don't think, no, no, no. You're not seeing it in the right light. Because people, the way the way the brains evolved is in a hunter-gatherer society before we like had agricultural like and domesticated animals and shit, we were the multitaskers, right. and that was so valuable in that in that society That's at true. the time. But look at how things have advanced now, and computers do shit. And there's automation, mm. and we're just not needed in the same capacity, and everything's built for neurotypical people, and so we're just fucked. Right. We don't have to look out for a mountain lion or where to find the best berries or, oh, last week I watched Ugg eat that rock like mushroom and he died, so we can't eat that. But if you boil it, because I saw, we make right. all those abstract connections. Right. And I, so I, go, I just go back to, <coughs> I just, I don't know. I don't think it's fair that he's serving that long. It doesn't help any society in any way. I don't think he'd ever kill again. Right. Right. So, I just I fuck, I, I feel bad for everyone involved. Everyone except involved, for obviously Simon. But I even feel bad for Simon too because to me this is going to be some kind of psychological problem. Right. Like he, I mean, he definitely faced racism. Yeah. Um. I'm not even you talking know, about that so much as I feel like I just feel like he doesn't he didn't belong. We don't have a way to handle sociopathic type personality, narcissistic personality disorder personalities. And 9 times out of 10 they're not violent in any way. Right. But they're still not a good fit. They're still right. kind of outcasts. It's just it's rough. It's one of those things where it's like when you talk about mental health and you oh, can support yes. mental health all day. But it's when the side effects of mental health show we up. We don't want to talk about those. You don't want to accept them. No. You don't want to say that's okay. Because a lot of times, like, when our when we have mental health breaks, we end up doing things that are either out of character or... Or societally unacceptable. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and so a lot of times... And, and I have to catch myself. I, I try to work on it every day. You know, it's like, if you're going to be pro-mental health, then you have to understand that 
We got to take the ugly bits too. Yeah. Yeah. We do. And we have to make it a safe space to talk about these things. Exactly. We also can't tell, like, for example. Cannot demonize people. No. And for example, like a sociopath not feeling as much empathy because they have a diminished capacity to do so on a physiological level. Right. It's, it's not everything. We can teach coping skills so this shit doesn't happen. Right. And also, hey, America, maybe stop with the guns. Because if they didn't have access to these fucking weapons, it wouldn't have gone I'm down this saying. way. I'm saying. And I'm not going to preach at you guys today. I'm I'm chill. But there is a difference between a hunting rifle and an AK-47. Why the fuck does that guy up the road... Why does he have an AR-15? ...with a scooter that's been spray-painted, camo, have an AR-15? He shouldn't. It doesn't make any sense. No. There is no logical reason There's why There's nothing that. that you could need to... Ki- I believe no. that you should be able to have a handgun and a hunting rifle. And I believe... I believe that just like medical marijuana, that owning a gun would mean that you have certain... Not restrictions. There's certain safety codes that you have to follow if you have children in the house. If you have medical marijuana, you are not allowed to smoke marijuana around your children legally. You will have your permit taken away, but you can step outside and smoke weed. I believe that if you have children and a gun, it should be fucking locked. I don't even <laughs> want to get into it. I don't want to even get into the gun debate right now because I'm going to get pissy and I'm, I know, we're gonna, I know. And we're going long. So I'm going to wrap it up by saying this. First of all, hey! Thank you guys for making our 2021 less poopy. <laughs> Thanks for our, our rants and rambles and and we are to going us. to like attempt to do like a New Year's Eve thing, but I don't know if we can, so I'm not gonna make any. <laughs> I promises. thought you were gonna bring it up. Uh, I don't want to just spring it on people. Why I thought not? about it, so I was want? like, eh, huh. I don't know. We'll anyway. we'll have something. There's I'll Maybe. find something to do. Dicks. I don't um, know. Be curious. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Be it's curious cool. like I was in high school. Oh, I'm just tying it back to the high school thing. No, I, I just appreciate y'all and uh, yeah. thanks. Because you know what we're close to? A fucking thousand plays. It's so exciting. <laughs> and I know there are some of you that listen to every single episode. Right. And I feel like New Year's is always the time of year where you kind of look back on your previous year. And then you go, oh, God. That's what I do. (laughs) Woo. I can't believe I made it through that. Um, (laughs) But, you know, like, we only have, like, the past three months to look back on with this. But it's still. It's been great. It feels really good to look back. And I feel like simultaneously. I'm sorry. I'm getting all stopped up. But simultaneously. No, I'm not crying. For once. I know. Um, (laughs) But I I feel like simultaneously we're also like looking forward to the future. I'm really pumped. Looking forward to next year's New Year's and seeing... Where we'll be. Where we'll be. Like what what, what new things are we going to... um, Come up with Yeah, yeah, yeah. What directions is... Because I, I, like people, the podcast will grow and change. Yeah, and I yeah, hope and it becomes something really great. That's I really do like feel mine. like this podcast is um, its own thing. Boy, it sure is. It really feels like its own entity. It makes decisions just like, okay, Willow, you're going to be sick for three days until you get the right case. 
Okay, I got the right and piece. And in doing so, we come up with a fun new segment we can have. Absolutely. It felt like the universe was... I really did. I don't know, simultaneously kicking us in the taint and giving us a present. Well, I mean, I'm yeah, there's sheet. been a lot of, like, runny noses at my house, but there's also been a lot of baby cuddles, and my baby's not a baby for long, and so I'm really sucking up those baby cuddles. Suck them up. So, you know, I'm not mad. And, yeah, I just... Love you guys, and we're so grateful. Yeah. Almost happy a thousand I'm so happy to be back. Like, it was so weird. It was weird. Yeah. It was weird not doing the regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. And I felt strange. Mm-hmm. Almost like I was betraying you, Willow. No, it was that nice was to, like, listen to your episode and be was like, it? oh, those are, my, those are my homies. Did you enjoy it? I did. It was very good. Yeah, a lot of people don't know about black-eyed children. Black-eyed children greet me, though. Fuck out. Don't let them little shits in. Don't let them in. Mm-mm. If it has to ask to get into your house before it can get into your house, it probably shouldn't get in your house. It should stay the fuck out my house. Yes. So, yeah, Maris Mondays are now going to be a thing starting this Monday. We'll be covering the Flatwoods Monster, which is fucking... It looks stupid, but it's the creepiest fucking story. It's so creepy. I love it very much. And then, uh, yeah, also join our Patreon. Why? No ads and an extra episode. So then you'll be getting four ad-free episodes a week. And I think that for five bucks a month, that's a pretty good deal. Patreon.com slash cruelty. And January coming up 2022 is cult month. And I'm so pumped. I have already done so much research as it is. And so I think that in my Patreon episodes, I'm still gonna be in the cult vibes because there's we're just just culting it up. There's so many so much fucking shit to call. There is cult news. And I'm not going to say it on here. I'm going to tell you here in a second. Okay, it's like, well, bitch, you have to tell um, me. But we will do an episode on it. Oh, my gosh. And it yes. is, like, totally new. So I'm so excited. And uh, Maris is going, we're all three going to host an episode on QAnon. Yes. Because we're going to do a you deep guys, dive on QAnon. You guys, they have been eating dirt. Well, And, and like, drinking bleach. There are a lot of, like, our family members uh-huh. Like this, this like hits home. I don't realize how many people I know, whose aunts and uncles, fathers, you know, mothers, like people that they know. I know a guy who had to leave his Q-Con. wife over it. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh my god, it's just so crazy to me. It's just nuts. And then they they went into the capital. Yeah. They broke shit and killed people. Look, y'all, that's it's a wild ride. Yeah. And they're they're literally queuing on people right now in Dallas, eating dirt. Drinking a bleach-like concoction and waiting for JFK Jr. to turn up from the dead and become Trump's vice president so that they can finally catch all the satanic child molesters. Let that entire sentence soak into your being. (laughs) How can I not cover this? It's just like the best thing I've ever heard. While being the worst. I'm so excited about it. I've been just so jazzed. I'm going to be covering the Quiverful movement. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is where the right-wing religious nutjobs think that in order to beat people like me, the queers and the lefties, then they have to outbreed us. And so they just have a whole fuck ton of kids. And this will include the Duggars. Um, and they live in Arkansas near where we're at. And so we're really going to get into that shit. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. And we just have a lot of good stuff coming mm-hmm. up. And I'm excited for January. It's not that I didn't like the Christmas killings as a theme. I was so in it until, until <laughs> Christmas. And I was like, okay, yeah. I'm done. 
we're done now. Christmas is over. If I see one I ornament, never, I'm going to puke. Never want to hear about Santa. Ever, ever again. again. And we can't, I don't know if we can cover the same things. Because it's just going to be more Santa murders next year. Yeah. We'll see about next we'll year. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, thank you guys so much. And we will see you next time. We'll see you next year. Next oh, year? We're going to get real tired we of that lived. stupid joke. We made it. We did it. We we did it. We, we did, did it. it. We did it. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. We love you. Bye. Love you. social media platform of choice. Linktree slash cruelty has all of the links. Check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, merch, ad-free episodes, live ghost hunts, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded weekly. Thank you so much. See you next time. Music and production by Willie Bean.